0: Hey there, welcome to Board Game Hot Takes, the podcast where you give our immediate reactions to the hottest board games just minutes after playing them. My name's Tim. And this is Chris. This is Adam. And tonight, instead of giving our hot take review on a game we just finished playing, we're gonna be discussing you our listeners. This is our episode number 100. Can you believe
1: it, guys? I can't believe it, actually. I can't believe that we made it 100 episodes in and anybody is still listening to us yammer on about games.
2: You know, when I was making the, when I saved the files, I left three digits in the hopes that we'd someday make it to episode 100 and we made it here. My naming convention has paid off. I'm happy we made it to triple digits. Good job, us.
0: What are you going to do when
1: we get to 1,000, Adam?
2: I Yeah, well, I, I don't know.
1: <laughs> but you know, it not just is that that's not just 100 episodes. That's two years. That's hard to believe. That's the thing that really struck me because it feels like we just started doing this yesterday. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at it going, wow, that's we're two years in on this.
2: Yeah, I can't believe it's been two years, Chris. Now that you bring that up, it seems like seems like we just started this. yeah. Two years has flown by in a podcast sense, but maybe not so much in other senses. Well,
0: actually, guys, it's not till six more episodes is oh, in two come
2: years. come on. <laughs> Whatever. Come on. But as I said, Whatever. there were two weeks
0: where we released two episodes at once. But then, of course, it would be 104. But yes, close enough. We're not going to do a separate two-year celebration. We're, we can celebrate two years right now. In any case, the reason I said that we're talking about you is because this is going to be our listener appreciation episode. We're going to be talking about a poll related to listeners, and we're also going to be counting down our listeners' top 20 games of all time. And we're also going to draw the winner from a lottery for people that entered and gave us their top 20 games right on the air. We're going to announce it here. So hopefully you're listening, and uh, you get to hear your name picked coming up here for a hundred dollar gift card from Game Nerd's. So basically, what happened is a couple of weeks ago, I put out on the show, and I put out on Twitter and Facebook that we wanted to get listeners to give us their top three games of all time. We took all of those, all of those games that they put together, and we combined them into a big list, and we uh, tallied them up, and we counted the top twenty that are that were that had the most counts that the most people selected as their favorite games of all time. We're gonna be ca- talking through those really quickly. We're also gonna see how our listeners list compare with me, Adam, and Chris here and which one of us is the closest to our listeners. So we'll see how that all comes together. But before we get into all of that and talk more about that that listener top 20, I've got a poll to cover here. If you're new to us or if you if you haven't caught this before, every week I ask a poll on Twitter, for for our listeners, we get to hear your thoughts on something board game related. And this week, I asked a poll related to how you discovered your favorite board game podcast. It doesn't have to be us. I didn't I didn't qualify that. Whoever your favorite board game podcast is, one I was just kind of curious about it, but two I wanted to um, you know get a chance to just hear how our listeners think about podcasts. And I gave four four options here. And there's a lot, obviously a lot of different places you can find podcasts. But I said number one, searching for podcasts. Number two, a friend told me about it. Number three, it was social media. And number four, I don't do podcasts because I know there are some people that follow us on Twitter that just aren't into podcasts. So I want to give them an out. But obviously, there's a lot of other ways you could have found a podcast. And if you go and read the comments on that poll, you'll get to hear a lot of other answers. I'll read a couple of them here. What do you guys think was the most likely way for someone to find a podcast? A friend told me about it?
2: I think searching for it on the Google
0: Yeah, interestingly, neither of those. So typically when someone's searching for a podcast, they're in like a podcast app, like Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever, and they're searching there. And 59% of our listeners said they found their favorite podcast just by searching for podcasts, which did surprise me as well. I knew that there was a little bit of that organic search, but it was pretty instructive for me. Only 7% said a friend told me about it which tells me that you guys are not sharing your favorite podcast with your friends enough. You got to get out there, spread the word, let them know that you should be listening to your favorite podcast. 24% said social media. I thought that would be a lot higher, to be honest. I thought that's where most people found out about so, um, podcasts because that's how I found out about a lot of the ones that I listen to. And then only 10% said they don't do podcasts. A couple things I learned from hearing that most listeners found out about their favorite podcasts from searching for podcasts. Number one, I'm so glad I included board game in the name of our podcast. That was a strict part of our naming convention. I'm glad it was because I bet a lot of people just search for board came podcast and they're likely to show up there. But number two is that that organic search is so important for us to get new listeners and for people to find us. And aside from the name matching, also how well they're rated or reviewed on a podcast platform makes a big difference as well. So think about that. Spend a few minutes. If you love a podcast, go out into Apple Podcasts and leave it a review, it, you know, leave it uh, leave it a five-star rating, um, it might make a big difference to other people finding that show. So a couple things I, I discovered there. I did get a couple comments on this um, from some of our listeners as well. So a couple other ways that people found us. Seth Gonzalez, one of our regular listeners, said, I bought Everdell early this year I remember rushing to Spotify and searching for any podcast covering the game. So apparently he, he searched Everdell in his podcast app and found us through that. So one more reason to love Everdell, I guess. Um, Alex McKinney, McKenzie said, I started listening to a board game podcast from the BGG Golden Geek category, and then when podcasts are recommended by other podcasts. So that's, that's a thing that I hadn't even thought about. Like one of your favorite podcasts talks about somebody else or introduces you to a guest from another podcast. I've absolutely found some favorites through there as well. So that was, that was pretty interesting. Also, that the, the BGG Golden Geek category brings new listeners. And that makes a lot of sense. Scott P said, if Reddit is social media, that's how I found my first one. I don't know what you call Reddit, Scott. Is it social? Is it media? Who knows? I don't use it. But sure, I think it qualifies.
2: Yeah, the results here. I I think that makes sense. I think that's how I found a few of my podcasts to Tim. I just searched for him on Google. He said, did you say that my answer was wrong. I think my answer was right.
0: <laughs> Maybe you search for them on Google. I assume that people see whenever I've searched for a podcast, I just open up my podcast app and search that way. I never like searched on Google for it, but that's a good point.
2: I don't even have a podcast app. I don't even know what that means, search for a podcast. <laughs> I'm like an old man or something. So I just went to the Google and let Google do all the work for me. And that's what
1: uh that popped up. My answer is personally a it's a sort of a combination of the two, because for one I do get recommendations from friends. Um, and I the reason I don't give recommendations is because nobody who actually knows me wants to spend any more time listening to me yammer on about board games. Um, <laughs> but I've gotten recommendations from you guys because I shouldn't admit this, but I'm not a huge podcast listener generally because most of the time, you know, the little bit of free time that I have to spend listening to podcasts, I'm usually listening to the news because I don't commute anymore, so I have to take that time to listen to the news or listen to news podcasts. So what you guys have told me about has really made a big impact on me. And the other thing, and this is this is kind of funny to me, it's people that we've interacted with on Twitter and through our, our podcast sort of community is that I started listening to a lot of these folks that we interact with. And now some of them have become my favorite podcasts. So I really love the community that we've built around this and that we've become a part of. And that has really expanded my horizons in terms of both, you know, who I'm talking to on Twitter and in the community and who I'm listening to.
0: Chris, I think that's a great lead in to to say that the reason we're here and still doing this after 100 episodes is because we have a great listener community. People have told us they appreciate the show. People have chatted with us on social media about the games we've mentioned. They've given us feedback, they've recommended games to us that we should check out and we've we've learned to enjoy. But through all of that, I absolutely agree with you, Chris, like some of my closest friends right now, I haven't even met in person. They're people I interact with every day through Twitter, through social media, and a lot of them are people that found us listening to the show. Just dozens of people and I'm not going to be able to name all of them on the show today. You know who you are if you if you chat with me on Twitter, if you give us feedback, if you ask questions, if you share, retweet our episodes, I'm paying attention to all of that and I love you for that. So a whole lot of friends out there, We're calling you listeners, but seriously, most of you, I seriously consider friends. It's great to get to know all of you. So this has been awesome from that perspective.
1: And if you fall into that group, there's a pretty good chance right now that you're in the middle with at least one game with us on BGA. And if you want to be in that group and aren't already, (laughs) get us on a game on there. We love playing with you guys. We don't want to say talking about games, we want to play them and we want to play them with you guys.
0: Yeah. So listen, if you're a listener and you're not interacting with us anywhere, let me just mention here and I'll mention it again at the end of the show where you can find us, where you can chat with us, um, because we do love it. So number one, Twitter is where all three of us are most active. I post on there all the time in the Port Board Game Hot Takes Twitter feed. It's BG underscore hot Takes. So if you're on Twitter at all, even if you're not, get on Twitter. Come follow us on there and we'd love to interact with you there. Number two, we are on Facebook. I'm not super active there. I usually only post once a week about the show, but we do have some regular listeners that always comment on our shows and I love chatting with you there as well. So if you're on Facebook and you're not on Twitter, you can find us at BoardGameHotTakes on Twitter. We are on Instagram, we're not using it at all at this point, we will at some point, you can find us out there at BG underscore hot takes, and we have some pictures loaded, I will probably get in the habit of doing that from time to time, but still if you uh, ask a question out there, I do get a ping on my phone, I will know about it. So if you're on Instagram and not on those other social media feeds, feel free to hit us up there. And lastly, we are on Board Game Arena, which is an online platform for playing board games. It's great, we we play games with our listeners all the time and there's even a group on there you can search for called Board Game Hot Takes. Join the group and you can hit us up and hit any of our other friends on there up when you wanna start a new game and there's always somebody willing to jump in and play with you. Lots of ways for us to hang out and interact with you, but enough about us and interacting with us. We want to hear from you guys, the listeners, from you, all the listeners. We put this poll out asking for your top three games. And I did this in a pretty short window, so I apologize if you didn't get the opportunity to participate. Um, I just had about a one-week window once I announced it on a podcast episode, but also it was up for a couple weeks on Twitter, and I mentioned it on Facebook. But in that time, we had 162 different people respond to that poll. So 162 people gave us their top three entries, and out of all those entries, we had a total of 231 unique games mentioned as favorite games of all time. That's pretty cool. That's that's pretty incredible how many games qualify as somebody's favorite game of all time. Many games that I've never played, a few games that I'd never even heard of before, so that's pretty neat. What did you guys think of that that, uh, data that came in?
2: Tim, I had so much fun with this. This was so cool looking at all the different games that came in, amount of participants. I can't believe that many people wanted to join in. That's great. I loved seeing some of these weird games I've never even heard of. I like unique games that do weird things. Some of them, Quantum, I'm sure a lot of people have heard of Quantum. That's where your dice is kind of your spaceship and each dice value has a different power that it can do. So that's one. Some of the ones I've never heard of, Silver Amulet, I've never heard of that so i, I took a peek it's his card game with this neat art it looks like well artists is jason bolus and andre gordive and taylor boggle i don't think those are the ones that do the west kingdom series but it's reminiscent of that style it looks it looks kind of similar if you're pulling it up It so silver amulet was what the listener said it's also it looks like it's called just plain old silver on board game geek another one i was talking to you guys earlier about this one alder the high sage that's a game from 2020, kind of an abstract. I went and watched a video on it. I'd never heard of this game. I went and watched a video on it. It looks pretty neat. You're playing these two by one sort of tiles or cards, and you're trying to make these tetromino shapes. And once you are able to make that shape, you put out your little one of your little, I think it's a sage. And then you get to put out this high sage too that kind of blocks a spot. So it's this little back and forth, two to four player game. That looked pretty neat. And then the one other one I wanted to mention that was kind of a, a unique one to me anyway was World's Fair 1893. I went back and watched a Tom Vassell video from like six years ago or something. This was, I don't know, his middle stage hat wearing era of Tom Vassel. And he's, you know, the guy from the Dice Tower. And this was another game. He highly recommended this one. It looked like a family friendly game that's quick to play, easy to understand, but a, a large range of decisions and a low rules overhead so that one is right in my
1: ballpark twos are all games I want to investigate and eventually get to the table yeah there were so many fun things on this list and one thing that was fun was seeing the games where we matched up you know people had them in their top 20 and they were ones that we really like and those are to me those seem to fit very naturally I'm like yeah they're usually somewhere high on the BGG top 100, and we like them. Other people are probably going to like them. So those didn't shock me. But there were a lot of really interesting and strange ones, like Adam just mentioned, at least strange in the sense that I hadn't heard of them before. And then there were a bunch that I was kind of surprised we didn't see more of. I mean, Gaia Project got one vote. One vote. I think all three of us had that high on our list. I think Wonderland's War got maybe one vote. And that was in all three of our top tens, and so it's really interesting seeing how you know people's tastes just differ. You know, it takes all kinds, and everybody's got their own things they love. But I, but more fun, I thought, was what Adam was talking about—the list of games that like I'd never heard of before, and I was super interested to look up a bunch of them. I mean, there's this one called Castle. You're building a human tower. It's apparently something they do in Italy. I mean, what? I mean, come on. So that just—that's fascinating. And then there's something in there called Cosmic Frog, which I said, and both of you guys knew it. So I'm I'm probably behind the uh, behind the power curve here. But you're a two mile tall, immortal, invulnerable frog that I don't know harvests terrain. I have no idea what any of that means. But you know, <laughs> there you go. Uh, happy Salmon. No idea what that is, but it's a it looks like some kind of little. Family weight card game, but somebody considers that one of their top games. And I think that is so cool. Not to be confused, by the way, with Discount Salmon, which is an entirely separate game. But so many interesting things out there. I learned a lot by looking at these
0: lists. Chris, did you learn that only one listener thought that Star Realms was one of their top three games of all time? How does that make you feel?
2: It makes me feel elite. (laughs) (laughs) There's also one listener that put Ennis in their top. I want to give it a shout out to that listener, whoever that was. And <laughs> he absolutely has proven to me that you guys are wrong about it. At least Chris is wrong. Adam, it was you, wasn't it? You <laughs> that call. Well, I'm not going to admit <laughs> my secret internet identity to anybody.
0: Lots of cool uh, op- selections here. It was really neat to see. One thing that I guess I will mention is that in this top 20, there weren't a whole lot of surprises. I think everything that's in this top 20 is in the Board Game Geek top 100. So our, uh, you know, our listeners are kind of in with the, the rest of the gaming world, as far as their tastes go. Um, one thing that did, <laughs> that did surprise me a little bit is that uh, some of these tastes don't match up with ours. So clearly, we don't have a lot of influence on our listeners. But that's OK. Glad you're here listening, even if you don't agree with us on our taste. Uh, we'll talk about a few more of those coming up.
2: That's no surprise. We can't even agree with each other. So no. that's a fantastic <laughs> listener base. Usually not.
0: Sometimes, rarely. Now, as we're going through this 20 lists, we're gonna to touch on them pretty quickly. We don't want to keep you all night. But one other thing I mentioned is that this episode is about you. So you don't want to just listen to us blather on all night. We invited a few guests, a few of our our listener friends who have been interacting with us on social media and other platforms to come on and lend their voices to this conversation. So in between this countdown of the top 20, we're going to have some uh, friends join us in and uh, tell us about their favorite games and and why they love them so much. So let's jump right into this list. Number 20. By the way, there's a lot of ties up in this top 20. So numbers 17, 18, 19, 20, the top last four Those are all, they all had five votes. So these are all basically tied, but I'm just going to read them from bottom of the alphabet to the top because that's how my spreadsheet is showing them right now. So these next four all tied in this top 20. Uh, Number, we'll call them all number 17, I guess. Number 17, number one is Pandemic Legacy Season 1. Not a big surprise. I think this is still sitting around number two on the BGG Top 100 Games of All Time list. And a lot of people really love this game. We've talked about it. A bit in the past, Pandemic Legacy Season 1.
1: Yeah, I'm just going to say what I've said about that before. I tried this game, wanted so badly to love it, and just was so, so disappointed in this game. But, you know, I mean, people love it, obviously. I'm the outlier here.
2: I haven't tried the Legacy. I've tried the original once way back in the day, and it was okay. And there was I never had any desire to go back to it, and I think there's other Legacy games I'd rather try than, than this one.
0: It's a solid game, and I can understand why people, a lot of people like it. I think there's still a lot of cachet with, with it being an original legacy game. But all right, moving on. Marvel Champions. Now, this is a game that I have, I would like to play, and I may pick it up at some point. This is one of those living card games that Fantasy Flight puts out in the Marvel Universe, of course. Not too surprised to see this here. It's, it's been really popular lately.
2: Yeah, it seems like this is the one Chris and, and maybe you, Tim, should have gone after instead of Marvel United. But this one, too, I would love to try it. I hear so many great things about it. You get to choose your superheroes. You get to choose which villains you want to fight. They all have these kind of flip mechanic. They can be their alter ego. So if, for instance, you're playing Spider-Man, you can go be Spider-Man and do these things. And then if you need to take a break from getting beat up on, you change back into Peter Parker and you kind of rejuvenate or whatever. I don't even know what's going on here. I want to try this game. I've heard lots and lots of good things.
1: I'm a fan of the... Marvel Cinematic Universe, so I'd like to give this one a try for sure. I want to see how many sides these cards have because you know There's the whole multiverse thing. So do you have like a five-sided card on this thing? No. <laughs> seriously, as this is the one I think we've heard quite a bit about from our great friend Riley Stock. This is one of his favorites, right? Yeah but yeah. he also likes Marvel United, about it. so
0: I wouldn't put too much stock in that.
1: Well, I think <laughs> I give a little bit more credence to this one than I do Marvel United. Yeah,
0: I think the only thing I wish, I wish Marvel Champions was a competitive game and not a cooperative game. Mm. But I'd yeah, like yeah. to try it solo at some point. Yeah.
1: All right. The no,
0: number 17, number three, it was Great Western Trail. This was on my top 30 games of all time list at number 25. Um, we ta- we reviewed this and talked about this quite a bit. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> uh next one is anachrony great game game that we all like quite a bit this was adam's number two i think on his top 10 games of all time list
1: well we all kind of liked it or some of us really liked it some of us thought it was okay okay (laughs) yeah i think you're right yeah this is my number three
2: i love this game what a cool theme cool worker placement Cool giant mech exosuits that you go, I don't know. Just so many neurons firing when this game gets played. And I said it before, it makes my brain cook when we get it playing. The components are beautiful. The production's beautiful.
1: I can't get enough of anachrony. I'll give you the good production, man. That's You are right on the money there. All right, well, enough from us. Let's hear from one of our listeners about their favorite game.
3: Hey, guys, it's Mel Morris calling from Reno, Nevada. Favorite game. This was a tough one, but I finally decided to land on one that I discovered recently, which is Stonemaier Games Tapestry. Wingspan from Stonemaier also was actually my gateway game back into the board game world as an adult. So I want to give it a little bit of an honorable mention, but Tapestry, really loving it, both on the table and on Board Game Arena. I think it has a beautiful production. I love all of the decision-making that goes into the different types of mechanisms that are on this game. Looking forward to getting the expansions on there as well. So Tapestry is what I'm going to go to for my favorite of the year. I also want to take a second just to thank you guys for the podcast. Super enjoying it just been so exciting getting back into the entire world of board gaming since childhood days. When I look back to thinking what we played as uh, children, the types of games such as, you know, Monopoly, Othello, Risk, all of those old school games and looking where board games have progressed to today. Wow, it's just such a needed distraction for many reasons super job on the podcast guys really appreciate you and look forward to hearing the new episode every monday so keep up the good work thanks guys bye
0: all right welcome back so jumping back into the list here we're down to number is 15 right now so we got two tied for number 15 these both had six votes each The first one was Dominion, the classic original deck building game. Have you guys, have either of you ever played Dominion?
2: I think I played this one once also around the same time period that I played that original Pandemic and I had very little experience, zero experience doing any kind of deck building. And the guy that taught it to us had played a thousand times. So, you know, the game was over and I don't know how quickly and I had no idea what happened and I got my butt kicked. So that was my experience with Dominion.
1: I haven't played it yet, but I actually this one is on my interest list right now because uh, my good friend Vinny, so Vinny if you're a listener, uh, shout out to you, was telling me about this game during a recent visit and I said I hadn't played it and so he was nice enough to send me a copy of it. So I've got it but have not my wife's been out of town so I haven't had a chance to get it out and play it yet. But I've been looking at it. It just looks like a ton of fun. I love deck builders, so I don't see what's not to love here. So I'm really looking forward to trying that one. And seeing it this high on so many listeners' top games list makes me feel you know, even better about it.
2: And Tim, you've played this one, right?
1: Yeah, I played this a lot, a lot. Like I probably
0: played it fifty to seventy times or something like that. Um, it's great. It's the you know it's the the granddaddy of deck building, which of course gives us games like Star Realms and Clank and Dune Imperium and all these other mechanisms. And I played it right when it came out, and I was just blown away. I just loved the the, the you know just the way that this mechanism worked. Now it got a little stale for me. It's not a favorite of mine anymore. I'm still happy to sit down and play it, but um, I'd rather play most other deck builders at this point. All right. So number 15, number two, also in with six votes is a more recent game that just recently made the top 100. And this is Cascadia. This is a game by Randy Flynn. Uh, we reviewed this. Chris and I, big fans. Adam f- found it okay. Um, but this is pretty cool to see this on so many top top 20 lists or you know, top three lists, I guess.
2: The more I think about this one, I know you guys are big fans. The more I want to go back to it. It's cool. The tiles are cool. The, the little circle Animals are cool. I like the puzzle here, matching up the different types of landscapes with each other to maximize your points. And I I have fun with this one. It's pleasant. I want to play this one right now.
1: Yeah, it's such a fun, pleasant, meditative game. I think you just said pleasant, Adam. I think that's a really good word to use for this. It's just it's just nice. It looks nice. It feels chill. I mean, you're building the great outdoors and you're putting animals in it. I mean, who, who wouldn't love that? It's not a heavy duty game. But it's a really nice a really nice game to play, especially if you're introducing new people to a hobby game. It's a great place to start.
0: Yeah, I hadn't played it for a little while. I think I kind of overplayed it for a bit. Um, and then yesterday morning, I had about 45 minutes to play a game with Jen, and we pulled out Cascade. And I loved it. And I, I'm, I'm like, I'm going to play this more often. So, yes, this is a great game. All right, going down to what I think is number 14. At this point. Yeah. 14. Stands alone. Seven votes here. This is Arkham Horror the card game. So this is another living card game from Fantasy Flight, but in the Cthulhu Mythos universe, I guess. And this one's really high on my list. I've been I have not played this game yet, but I, I I think I'm gonna be picking this one up pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, I think that was two of us, Tim. You and I both had this on our top to play list, which is, I mean, kind of shocking in and of itself that you and I would both have a you know a common game on our need to play list. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just thematically, you can't beat that. I love card games. Bring it, man. Bring it.
2: This one, I have to be very selective with my Cthulhu-themed games that I want to play. I'm not the biggest fan. I know Chris is shaking his head at me. But after hearing so much high praise for this one, I'd love to give it a shot and see what it's all about. That's uh, Arkham Horror.
0: All right, so we got three now that are tied for number 11. So these come in right outside of the top 10. Um, the first is, should be no surprise, it's on this list huge huge favorite by a lot of people and this is the Stillmeyer games wingspan which was um designed by elizabeth hargrave one of the games that i think really had a lot to do with bringing new themes and making them more mainstream and and giving publishers the feeling like they could actually bust out a little bit from some of the typical fantasy sci-fi dry euro themes Um, and wingspan did a great job of that um
1: how is this hitting for you guys these days I'm only surprised that it's not higher on the list. I mean, whether you love it or don't love it, I mean, you have to admit, like you said, Tim, this is the game that busted the doors wide open. I mean, the legacy of this game is going to be all the other bizarro themes that we have in games out there that nobody would have ever guessed would have made a good board game, but they did. And now we've got them, you know, we've got Wingspan to thank for that. I think, and I think that's a pretty great legacy to have. I
2: am not the biggest fan of this one, but there's no denying the appeal of this game and all the people that's brought in the hobby. Like you guys have already said, and the art here is just fantastic. I can't get enough of looking at these cards and seeing all these birds. I love being outdoors. Maybe that's why Cascadia is up there, too. I love just seeing these different birds, and it's kind of like I think Chris described it as like an Audubon is that is that the right word? What's the what's the is it Audubon? Yeah,
1: yeah, like an Audubon. Take like the Audubon guide. Yeah,
2: it's like an Audubon guide. You see these birds, and it has little stats about their wingspan and region of the world that they live in. So you're learning all this stuff about the. Oh, and then you see a bird that you recognize, like, hey, I've seen this bird before when I was doing this trip to the northeast United States. So
1: it's it's just got a lot going for it. That's wingspan. Speaking of Audubon, this is actually a funny little sort of crossover here, but this last weekend, my family and I were at the Portland Audubon where my wife volunteers, and they have this amazing gift shop. And in that gift shop, they have Wingspan. I mean, how many people do you think look at that and say, wow, I never in a million years would have thought about hobby board gaming, but I don't know, the Audubon's got this in there. Maybe I'll pick that up and give it a shot. I think that's cool.
2: Uh, So now whenever I'm – I was just – on a trip to Costa Rica, because I'm a world traveler. So all these birds that I saw, I'm wondering like, hey, is that bird in Wingspan? Now I want to go check out Wingspan and see if that bird's in there. So it's it's one of these kind of things where I just keep thinking about this game and how beautiful it is. They keep making expansions that have birds from different parts of the world and then add different gameplay mechanics. So I wouldn't mind going back to this one and seeing what some of those new expansions and new birds are
1: all about. And we're right on the verge of having the Asia expansion coming out here very soon.
0: Now, the second... Number 11 game on this list is a game that Chris and I had very, very close on our list, uh, same number. So I think, Adam, this is a big warning sign that you may not be doing so hot compared to our listeners. Um, but that is number number 11 again, and this is Lost Ruins of Arnak. Um, again, this is a fairly new game. And I think another good sign that with how many kind of newer games are on this list and are going to show up still, that the hobby is just getting more awesome cool new themes in games, mechanisms that are reusing stuff in a better way from past games. And Lost Ruins of Arnak is a great example of that. It takes a dry mechanism like worker placement and turns it into a fun little adventure game where you're moving up these tracks and discovering monsters when you're getting resources. I love Lost Ruins of Arnak.
2: I'm okay being the the voice that provides some parody to the podcast here. Lost Ruins of Arnak, we played it recently on Board Game Arena and. By the way, this game's on Board Game Arena, and it's fantastic on Board Game Arena, and I enjoyed it. I'm not going to lie. I had fun playing this one. Now that it's on there, I kind of want to go back to it and keep playing it and explore the different strategies because it is so smooth, and it's and it's absolutely beautiful. I started to grasp some of the strategies, which helps, you know, enjoy a game. So no issues here with Lost Ruins of Arnak. It's a cool game.
0: Well, before we jump into the game that might put Adam back in our listeners' good graces... Let's hear from one of our listeners.
4: Hi guys, this is Brian Chandler. I'm sharing my favorite game, which is The Lord of the Rings trading card game, produced by Decipher in 2001. This is a uh, TCG that came out, you know, after Magic: The Gathering got popular in the 90s. Fantastic, basically a racing game where each player plays both the Fellowship and the Shadow side in a single hand. In my turn as the Fellowship, I'll put out my fighters and my weapons. But whatever I put out for my team to move forward, this is the mana for my opponent to use to try to then put out orcs or other bad guys to fight my Fellowship. Also has an interesting push-your-luck component as you kind of regroup at the end of a turn. You can choose to go again and travel to another site or stop and rest my Fellowship and then give my opponent a chance for them to then start with their Fellowship. So really interesting game. A lot of the mechanics haven't been replicated that I've seen um, sense and really excited to share that one with you i'm definitely a, a golden oldie from more than 20 years ago now but that is lord of the rings trading card game thanks
0: all right welcome back so the final number 11 here the final one that had eight votes and tied for the last two we talked about is brass birmingham this is a martin wallace game most recent production of it is by roxley games Adam, I think this was in your top thirty or in your top twenty. It was somewhere in the in the ten to thirty list, somewhere in there.
2: Yeah, this is a fantastic game. I absolutely love it. One of the first games I purchased as I was discovering hobby board games. I don't know how long ago it was—five, four, five years ago, three years ago. Is this game even been out that long? I don't know. Beautiful production. Fun gameplay, lots of hand management, planning ahead, making sure you have the right card to do the thing you want to do, making these routes. When I played this game with my dad, he kicks my butt at it every single time. He ends up with trains all around Birmingham. He's got like I don't know, 60 link points before anybody can blink an eye. A
1: lot going on here. I love this game. That's Brass Birmingham. Yeah, I loved this game. Then I hated this game. And you do a bunch of stuff where there's like rules that are completely incomprehensible and you have to have beer. For, I still don't understand why you have to have beer, but you do. And I don't know. I, I, I want to love this game. I've only played it twice. The first time I loved it. Second time I hated it. The third time is going to be the real, the real test. So there are times of charm.
0: We got to play this four player at our next con I think Chris may be playing it in person, picking up those little, little bear barrels. Bear barrels? Yeah right? barrels. Yeah. The beer bear barrels. Uh, I think that's I think that'll that'll sell you on it. No, you know, I just actually realized Adam, you know, this is the actually the very first game that you and I ever played together.
2: No, no, no. I don't think we played it. I think I brought it and it was in the bag and uh you no. guys are like, We're not gonna play that.
0: You played this with me at my house, on my dining room table, you set it all up. That was my first play at Spring. and then we played empires of the void 2 after that because i had it set up already so those were the two games we played that night
1: i don't think that's right (laughs) i think the first i think the first time we got together (laughs) we played tapestry and then irish gage irish gage. no you're right
0: you're right chris i forgot you were at that first game night that adam came to but the next time you didn't show okay. up that night and brent ended up canceling at the last minute so adam and i played so it was my third game i ever played with Adam. It's close though
1: so early my memory has not completely failed <laughs> early this was this was the first
0: time adam taught me a game i think no irish gauge was I uh, never mind forget it forget everything i just said <laughs> all right so next <laughs> let's jump into our our top 10 games of all time now so these are Again, you know, the cream of the crop. These are the top of the list. Um, Now, three of these tied. uh, They all had nine votes each. So, this is going to be numbers uh, eight, nine, and 10. The first one we mentioned is Viticulture. This was designed by Jamie Stegmeier, it's published by Stonemeyer Games. I still love that Viticulture. I, I got to play this uh, recently on Board Game Arena with some listeners and had a great time with it. And in fact, um, Stonemaier Games just sent me a review copy of the Viticulture World expansion. So I'm excited to get that played a bit and and uh, get some solo and even try some co-op with that one. So Viticulture is number eight,
1: part three. Yeah, love this game. Uh, but then there's no surprise. I mean, anybody who's listened to this podcast before knows that I love Meyer games. I think they're really fun and they're really good. I've talked about this one. I think it's an elegant rule set. I think it flows nicely. I haven't even played it with any of the expansions yet. And I think you've commented before, Tim, that the expansions really kind of are indispensable in this game. So as far as I'm concerned, it can only go up from there. So I I tip my hat to our listeners for having such good taste. Adam, what do you think about Viticulture?
2: I think I haven't played this one enough. I've played it once or twice only and i really enjoyed those plays i want to go back i want to play some more now that tim just mentioned some board game arena i need to why don't we why don't we fire one of these up
0: yeah let's do it chris It's funny when you first started to say i've mentioned before i love and i thought you were going to say alcohol and then i was going to complain why you didn't like the beer in brass birmingham but you like the wine and viticulture but then you completely changed the direction there so Take it all back.
1: I'm keeping you on your feet.
0: <laughs> all right. So while we're talking about Snowmire games and Jamie Stegmeier, number eight part two is uh, one of his designs as well, and this is Scythe. This was high on both Chris and my list this, this year. I think it was in my top ten to twenty, and in Chris's top twenty to thirty. Um, yeah, Scythe. I'm, I'm not surprised to see this on here.
1: You know, Tim, you made a comment that I thought really kind of summed it up for me. It's one of the finest examples of world building. In any game that we've played, there's this fascinating 1920s, 1910s, post World War I Europe with the mechs and the weird technologies and the f- cool art. And it's just, I mean, it's everything that I love about the production in a game and thematic nature of a game plugged into an actual really good game. And that's pretty priceless.
2: This game's so fun. Tim, you have everything for this game. I loved that last play we had down in Palm Springs. Giant metal mechs crushing all over the landscape. What's that center factory? Is it just called the factory? And the one in the middle? It's called the factory. Factory in the middle, changing hands, I don't know, three, four, five times in that bid for the final chunk of points there. It was just fantastic play of this game.
0: All right. So the last one of the tied for number eight is a new game, new hot game. And that is Arc Nova. Arc Nova is uh, late, latest capstone games released. I think Matthias Wig is the designer here. It's a game that made it on both Chris and mine top ten lists. I think number six for both of us. Uh, This is the zoo building game that
1: uh, takes some DNA from Terraforming Mars. Arc Nova wider than a mile. It's da-da-da. I don't know. I just had to sing that. It just, it it came to me. Great game. I love it. (laughs) It's better than my singing. I have just played
2: this one once. I think also wouldn't mind playing it again. So far it's kind of meh. For me, middle of the road, uh, I need to play more.
0: All right. Before we get into the next list here, let's hear from a listener.
5: This is Riley Stock from the Board Game Community Show podcast. And I wanted to say congratulations on 100 episodes. You all are killing it. I love listening to this every week. In fact, start putting them out every day because I'm tired of waiting a whole week between episodes. If you could do that for me, that'd be great. My favorite game is Spirit Island for so many reasons. It's great co-op, but I mostly play it solo. And there is so much variety to it. I get to play different adversaries, different scenarios, different spirits, shuffling the fear cards different. And that's just the base game. And then you add in expansions and all of a sudden you got these different tokens that do different things. You get event cards, you get even more spirits, adversaries, and scenarios. It is just fantastic. I also love the reversal of the colonialism, you know, you're the spirit protecting this island and protecting your people and trying to drive these invaders out so that they don't mess up your lands. I love the story that it tells as far as the difficulty progression. The progression is essentially your spirits building power, but the invaders are building power even faster and you start feeling overwhelmed and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose. There's no way I can beat these people. But if you've managed your spirit right and you've set yourself up on the island correctly, then all of a sudden there's that turn and it goes from overwhelming to being like, oh my goodness, I am killing it now. Oh, these invaders don't stand a chance. It's such a beautiful progression and that happens the majority of the time I play. So Spirit Island, a few games have come close to dethroning it, but that is my number one. Again, congrats on 100 episodes. Keep it up. And until next time, keep nerding out.
0: All right, welcome back. So here we are coming down to the final seven of the top 20 games of our listeners is my number one game of all time uh, from our list last week, and that's Dune Imperium. This was Adam's number two, so a huge hit for us. Chris's number, I think, seven or eight. So this was one of the only games that made it into all three of our top 10 lists, and apparently our listeners agree with us. Dune Imperium's fantastic.
2: What is this, a quadruple crossover? Mm-hmm. Us three with the listeners all in our top 10? Yep.
0: Yeah, I think that I think it qualifies. I feel like it gives us some legitimacy. <laughs> <laughs> well, this next this next choice will take all that legitimacy away because none of us agree with our listeners here, and that is our number. Uh, no, we got two number fives here that both tied with eleven votes each. So the first one is Root, and uh, Root is a Cole design um, published by Leader Games. Listen, great production, really interesting mechanisms just too many rule sets to to follow for what I get out of the game. So not a favor for me, but I understand why people love it and i I'm glad if you can find a group you can get back to and play this with repeatedly, I bet it's I bet it's a pretty cool game.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna give a variation on that same answer. I haven't quite, you know signed on to the cult of root yet, but I've played it enough that I have some you know a passing understanding of the different factions, at least in the base game. And it's a lot of fun. I mean, that's a pretty cool game. It can be frustrating as well just because there's so many little things that you can get wrong because you I forgot this faction can do that or, you know, whatever. But if you're willing to take that time, it's a pretty dang good game.
2: Yeah, if I had 40 plays of Root under my belt, I think I would enjoy play number 41. I don't think I'll ever get to play number four. So
0: tied with Root for number five with 11 votes is another game with anthropomorphic animals, apparently... Anthropomorphic Animals have found their spot on the listeners' top 20 list, and this is Everdell. Everdell was designed by James Wilson and published by Starling Games, and this was on my top 10 list of all time. I think it's like number four, number five on my list. Uh, I love this game. It's fantastic. If you open up any of the expansions after Pearlbrook, you'll find my name in the rulebook because I was one of the playtesters because I loved it so much that James Wilson reached out to me and said, hey, you're on BoardGameGeek answering rules questions all the time. Do you want to get in and play test with us? And had a great time doing that. So I love this game. Love all the expansions. Love the artwork. Andrew Bosley's artwork is fantastic on this. You can take the tree out, though. You don't need the tree. Get rid of the tree in the middle of the board and
1: uh, you'll enjoy it even more. Yeah, so here's a hot take. I think I like Root better. Now, I'm saying that based on one play of Everdell a long, long time ago. So I may feel differently about it if I played it today. But at least currently in my mind, I'm like, if you ask me between Everdell and Root, in other words, which anthropomorphic animals do I want to visit with, it'd have to be Root right now. But maybe it'll be Cosmic Frog in the future. That's possible.
2: (laughs) Everdell has the cute little berries, cute little stones, cool little resources. I've only played the once. There's another one I would like to play some more and get more familiar with.
0: Let's move to number four in the list. This, This game stands alone on this list. It had 12 votes shouldn't be a surprise it's up here, though. It's Terraforming Mars. I think this is also number four on the Board Game Geek Top 100 list. So this shows that our listeners are kind of honed right in there on uh, what the general consensus is here. But yeah, Terraforming Mars. We all talked about it on our top 30 lists and uh, great game.
1: Yeah. What more can you, what more can you say? This is absolute top notch game like Wingspan. My only surprise is it's not higher in the list. Why didn't everybody have this as their number one or two game? What's wrong with you people?
2: This is my more recent introduction into hobby board games, and I love this game. It always has a spot in my heart. Terraform Mars, so cool.
0: Chris, I just want to point out that this was not in your top three games of all time. So I think it... Wait, wasn't
1: it number...
2: Was
0: it number three? Yeah, it was. was it? Wasn't it number two? It was number two. Oh, it was oh, two it was for you. Okay, my dad. Oh, come my on, dad. <laughs> You're trying to call me uh, on for, my own I list. I forgot come already.
1: <laughs>
0: all right. Well, we're going to get into the top three games that are tied for one. For first place, all three of them had 15 votes. And you'll get to hear about that right after this listener tells us about their favorite game.
6: Hey there, I'm a listener called Leanne. And one of my favorite games is the classic tile placement game, Cocosome. It's so accessible and easy to learn because all you're doing on every turn is adding a tile to the landscape of this wonderful French city that we're creating together and then decide, are you going to invest in one of the features of Uncovered by placing one of your people there? Because the turns are so straightforward, It gives the game such a good momentum and it never outstays its welcome, even though you've got lots of interesting choices and decisions to make in your strategy for how you're going to score points. One of the decision-making spaces that I love, but I've just never been able to developer skill in is getting the balance right between how many workers to send off little and often to earn points on easy peasy errands compared with how many of your workforce you're going to invest by sending off on longer term projects where you might not complete the features that you're building until late on in the game or you may never complete them because you don't get the tiles that you need because you were too greedy i love that tension And I love pushing my luck. The final thing about Carcassonne that I wanted to say is I love how it adapts to your mood. I've played really relaxed games where people just focus on their own features that they're building. And I've played table flipping games where you're ganging up on each other, breaking into each other's cities and camping out in each other's fields. And there's a version of Carcassonne for every game group's personality. That's my little love letter to Carcassonne. Thank you very much. And congratulations on 100 episodes. I love your podcast and I love your company. And I can't wait to connect over your next 100 episodes. Bye.
0: Welcome back. So here are the top three games that our listeners voted for, that more listeners included in their top games of all time than any others. They all tied, so we're just going to start alphabetically going in reverse order here. Number one is Spirit Island. Spirit Island is... Is a really interesting co-op game where you are spirits on an island working with the natives, defending it against colonizers. And it's a pretty interesting twist on the colonization theme. Really neat artwork. I really like this game, but I also have some more to say about it. What do you guys think about Spirit Island?
2: I don't know if Chris has ever played this one, which he'll probably talk about in a couple seconds. I have played this one. I have in my collection. It's one of the ones I've had the longest in my collection. I had an early honeymoon phase with this one, and... Then it became a lot about admin and brain burn. Oh, did I remember to put this conquistador looking fella in by the ocean? Okay. What happens now? The conquistador guy turns into a little house house turns into a bigger house. And if I don't have enough houses, if I have more houses than big houses, then it turns into a big house. And if not, then it turns. So there's a lot you have to remember here. At least for me, I got a little too much admin and I wasn't doing very much playing So if you have the time, if you want to just kind of chill out and not be in a rush and take your time playing a very thoughtful, in-depth game with a lot of different adjustments to the difficulty, then this game can be a perfect game for you. And I'd see it's a perfect game for a lot of people out there. So I get it. But for me, this game has kind of fallen a little bit. That's Spirit Island.
1: I have not played it. And it sounds fairly interesting i mean the theme actually sounds super cool i love the theme of this game i love the idea of flipping the story on the colonization i think that sounds incredible i'm just not sure i buy the whole buy it as a cooperative game i mean i generally don't particularly like cooperative games and where i do get into cooperative games usually i just mean i'm playing it solo and then i really want to focus on the ones the things that tend to be very sort of dark and monsterish and very kind of grim and cinematic like Nemesis or Tainted Grail or that sort of thing. And Spirit Island doesn't seem like it falls into that category. So I wouldn't argue that it's a great game. It's just not my type of game.
0: I am planning to discuss this game at some point on the on the t- table segment. I've heard so much great stuff about this game, as especially as a solo player. Occasionally, I You know i'm always interested in what the coolest solar games are because i know if it's a game that i'm not getting out with other people at least i can play it myself but the thing is i don't really like playing cooperative and i don't think this game is going to change that for me but i think this game is going to shine as a cooperative game versus a solo game and for all the reasons that adam said i sat down to play it solo a couple times i love what the mechanisms are doing i love the upkeep phase i love the card play in it i think it's got so many cool things going on but as a solo player you have to basically manage two spirits from my understanding, that's the way to get the best out of the game. And so managing two hands of cards and two different roles in between the upkeep of the, the AI and how that's changing all the conquistador stuff that Anne was talking about, it was too much for me to enjoy it. And I was going through the same thing every turn. Wait, did I forget to do this? Did I miss this thing? and and that's that feels like work in some cases and you're going to hear that coming up with another game that's on this list as well it's an awesome game if you like to play cooperative games and you don't mind something that's a little on the heavier side i think you should check this out it's a very cool game I'm gonna go back to it and give it a few more tries solo and see if I can get into a little bit of a zone with it and and feel more comfortable going through all that upkeep. And if I do, it could it could really rise for me. But that's why it didn't make my top thirty list, and probably why it won't stay in my collection if it doesn't if it doesn't increase for me. But it's a very 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 neat system. That leads us to our number second number one on this list, and that is another very popular co op slash solo game, and that's Gloomhaven. Gloomhaven has been the number one game on the BoardGameGeek Top 100 list forever. And I'm sure you're asking yourself right now, well, what just beat Gloomhaven and Spirit Islander tied with them for number one on this list? We're going to get to that because it is a much better game than either of these. But Gloomhaven... <laughs> I'm getting some head shakes over here. Gloomhaven is a cool dungeon crawler with some really neat Euro-style hand management mechanisms. I know you guys haven't played this and doesn't seem like either of you are too interested in it.
1: Yeah, I just... I mean... I've already given a bunch of probably sort of very unfair critiques of the game based completely on my uninformed non-opinion, but I just, I just, this one doesn't catch my eye. Adam?
2: Yeah, I'm with you, Chris. Gloomhaven, I've only played it the one time, kind of with you, Tim, and it it has this reputation for being kind of grindy, and you're fighting this guy, and fighting this guy, and did you win, or did you lose? Oh, you lost. All right, go try it again. Now you find him, fight him, fight him again, and you get the little upgrade, and now you move on to the next thing. So I say this with Frosthaven on the way. We've talked about this too. There's supposed to be some more puzzles and some more reveals, a little bit more going on in Frosthaven. We'll see, but I suspect Frosthaven might be on its way out the door as soon as it gets in the door
0: (laughs) well don't listen to these guys you guys listeners you're you're right to love gloomhaven it is a fantastic game a fantastic system but for me again i'm not a big fan of co-op and from a from a solo perspective it was a lot to manage two different characters and two different hands of cards same exact issue i had with spirit island wonderful wonderful system maybe not for me i can't wait to try frosthaven when it comes out and see if i can get into the groove again but uh yeah gloomhaven not surprised to see it this high on the list
2: Tim, not above doing a little pandering to the Serious. listeners here. I okay. appreciate I appreciate that, Tim.
0: Okay, thank
1: you. I, I thought he was of the show. Little butt kissing happening there. I'm like, okay, at least I wasn't the only one right. seeing it. <laughs> These listeners are listening to us for
0: an hour and a half almost every week. You got to give them some credit. You, you know, we got we got to pander a little bit. <laughs> oh. Let's go to our final, uh, on the, the third of the number ones that tied with Spirit Island and Gloomhaven for number one. And this is a game that I love. I think it was my number five on my list. But this is Castles of Burgundy, Steffen greatest Steffen Feld game ever made. I'm shocked. I mean, like this is like number 16 or 17, I think now in the Board Game Geek Top 100. But our listeners, they align with me. The Castles of Burgundy is the best game ever made or one of the best games ever made. So what do you guys think about that?
1: Well, I was hoping to go out like on a bang, and this isn't even really a whimper. <laughs> it's kind of uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a it's a decent game. i I, 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 I don't know. I don't know what to say about this. <laughs> I don't know what to, I don't know what to say about the fact it's... that everybody thinks this is their number one game. So many votes for this game, and i ju- I just don't see it. It's fun. It's nice. But that isn't naked number one, Adam. I come on, back me on this. We're gonna do this again. I'm gonna go find some gamers. I'm gonna
2: introduce them. I'm gonna make sure that they're not into Castles of Burgundy, so that we can do this voting next time in some other game. This is the most mediocre game I can that I can think of there's uh you're spending all kinds of actions to turn dice numbers into other dice numbers and then you can put a little tile out there and get a little bonus and tim's gonna say he loves bonuses i love getting all the bonuses and i can do more stuff and then i can beat adam all the time when i play castles and burgundy i don't know it just doesn't do it for me but having said that i'd still go back and play it again i guess
0: yeah <laughs> sure yeah. they'll listen to these guys Here's what we're going to do. Really quickly, we're going to add up how many games in this top 20 list were on each of our top 10 lists.
2: I don't like where this is going, Tim. <laughs> let's, see which, oh. let's see which one of us is cl-
0: most closely aligned with our listeners here. So on my... We'll see
2: we'll see which one is the most unique. <laughs> <as well.
0: laughs> that's true. That's very true. There's no doubt about that. Uh-huh. Uh, so so on my top 10 list, I had Castles of Burgundy, Everdell, Dune Imperium, Ark Nova, I think that's it. So I had I had four of our listeners' top twenty on my top ten. Chris, on the other hand, he had Terraforming Mars, Dune Imperium, Ark Nova, and I think that's it. So Chris, really close here, three he had three of them. Adam, <laughs> let's see where Adam fell. Adam had, let's see, Dune Imperium. I think you could stop right there. Anachrony. He had Anachrony as oh, well. Oh yeah, Anachrony. So there he managed go. to get get one that further down the top twenty list. So Adam and two, we were all pretty close, right? Yeah, I'm a little surprised, honestly. we're all 20 to 40 percent aligned with our listeners on our on our top 10 list so our listeners top 10 and top 20 probably aligns more with the general board game community based on bgg ratings than they do with ours so i think we're all a little bit of outliers from that perspective um but clearly uh i am the man of the people (laughs) okay
1: whatever yeah well all i gotta say is I completely respect everybody's opinion to like whatever they like. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, we may have games that we think are ridiculous. I hate it. Adam hates it. Tim hates it. Whatever. But the reality is all that matters about games is what do you think is fun. There's no such thing as a bad game. If you like it, it's not a bad game for you. So I say you play what you like and we may make fun of it, but it doesn't matter. You play it anyway. You do you.
0: Yeah, 100%. I agree with that, Chris. You're right, it, it, you know, board games are like any art form and I do consider them art form. I think there's a lot that goes into making these things that we get to play with all the time, but they're like any art form and that it is subjective and something that I don't particularly like could be amazing to somebody else. And that's so cool. It's so cool that we got so much variety and so many options.
2: Along those lines, I think you take any, any of these games and you get the right group of people around a table, hanging out, it's gonna be, it's just, it's just, a catalyst to social interaction and hanging out. I would happily play any of these games with anybody that's pleasant to sit around a table with. And it's just fun. That's why I love board games.
0: Well said, Adam, well said. And that leads us back to, we're going to wrap up this episode pretty quickly here, uh, but I just wanted to call out again, thank you so much to all of our listeners who, you know, who even show up every week to listen. We've grown dramatically over the last couple of years and really excited to see where the, where the show's going. Really excited to share all of this with you and get to chat with with Chris and Adam, but also to all of our listeners every week about what we think about this hobby that we, in, that we love and enjoy. Thank you so much to all of you who do interact with us on social media. Send me emails to Tim at BoardGameHotTakes.com play games with us on Board Game Arena. Even those of you who chat with us on Twitter and said, I don't even like, I don't listen to podcasts, but I still like to chat with you on Twitter. That's cool too, it's so fun to have this community that we built and to make all these new friends. Really appreciate all of you. So let me jump into, we've got one more voice we wanna hear from one of our listeners. And I'm gonna share what, um, what this listener said about his favorite board game of all time. This was a listener, Rick Lorenzen. He was one of our first listeners and the first person who ever commented on one of my posts about a new episode released and said he really appreciated it. it was a great show again. And that was that was amazing. And Rick constantly retweeted our tweets and he he chatted with us all the time on Twitter. He was a aspiring board game designer. Seemed like a wonderful person, somebody I considered a friend on Twitter. He was talking about in fact it was response to last year's top 10 games of all time list and he gave us his top 3 But the one he listed as his number one was Empires of the Void 2. This is a game by Ryan Lockett from Red Red Raven Games. So this is what Adam said to Rick. Rick, sell me on Empires of the Void 2. Former owner, I love the art, and the game felt nearly amazing. Lengthy setup may have kept me from giving it a fair chance. What puts it in your top three? And Rick responded, Okay, I'll start with the long setup. I find it therapeutic to anticipate the game experience while organizing all the bits as long as I'm alone and not rushed by people sitting around waiting. That's one of the reasons I like bigger games, I enjoy that time alone with them. Next, it feels kind of like a space sandbox as to what you want to focus on including lots of optional missions with the action cards. While there are random factors to things like gaining influence, there are also alternate ways to accomplish things. I was often surprised by the choices and accomplishments of other players as they use their action cards. To be honest, I haven't played any other Space 4X games for comparison, would love to someday, but this one, with the ardent components, variable planet events, and plethora of car driven stories, there is potential for so many memorable experiences from game to game. Maybe it's the few and infrequent plays that make me ache for another elusive experience of the game, where more frequently played games like Wingspan are blunted by more exposure. We wanted to read this from Rick because he was such an ardent friend and follower of the show early on, but also... Uh, about a year ago, shortly after these comments, Rick passed away in a car accident with his wife while they were driving to a uh, game convention. And as we were thinking back over the last year and our listeners and um, you know who made us, who we are as a show, Rick came to mind, as he often does, um, as uh, you know one of our friends that we made through this show. So thanks, Rick, for being part of, a, of this with us at the beginning. And um, to all of you out there, it's great to get to know you while we have this time on Planet Earth.
2: Rick was one of the only people who would comment on our stuff at the beginning. He was such an inspiration. I feel like sometimes we do this podcast and be like, you know, a dozen listeners. And Rick was always seeming super excited. He kept me motivated to do some more and interact and chit chat with him. Always had something insightful or pleasant or just motivational to say. So I miss the guy so much. It was just a pleasure having reading his comments every time. It was something to look forward to. And uh, that was a A fun interaction I had with him
1: on Twitter. I'll miss him very much. Yeah, Rick was just such a delight. I mean, so frequently when someone passes away, especially under tragic circumstances like that, there's always an outpouring of thought about them. People always talk about how beloved they were. But everything that I saw, Rick was a truly beloved member of the board game community. He was universally liked and appreciated. And that includes by us as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you to all of you listeners for being a part of this for the last 100 episodes, and we hope for the next 100 as well. Again, as I mentioned several times, follow us on BG, follow us on Twitter at BG underscore Hot Takes, follow us on Facebook at Board Game Hot Takes, hang out with us on Board Game Arena, and invite us to games at the Board Game Hot Takes group. And we can't wait to continue to get to know more of you and continue to get to know the ones that we've met already. Until next time, take care, everybody. Good night, all. Bye, bye. All right, so here we go. I am about to draw the winner of the $100 Game Nerds gift certificate. So everybody who submitted their top three games of all time were entered in this drawing. I put all your names in a spreadsheet, all your email addresses, so you're all numbered. And there were 162 people that entered. And I put a random number generator from one to 162, and I'm gonna click the big red button right now. Here we go. Three, two, one, go. And the number was one hundred twenty. Let's see who that is. So number one twenty, Ray Ann, and I've got your email address, Ryan. Ray submitted the answers of Spirit Island, Brass Birmingham, and Quacks of Quedlinburg. All great games. Ryan, I will be reaching out in about a week after this episode releases. I want to give you time to listen to it and discover that your name got drawn in advance. But if I don't hear from you in about a week, I will reach out and let you know that you won. If you do hear this episode, though, feel free to drop us an email at tim at boardgamehottakes.com and we'll send you that Game Nerds gift certificate. Congratulations!